Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Keys with it, man! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Scratch his nose. <laughs> yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? Might be trying to shake the sweep one after that first one. Might try and slide one in there. Fast. Well, you call it. It's right out. It's right out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah, no, he's going. Sometimes. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you, son? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Tim Williams. Joining me as always today is last year's Supercoach Big Bass champion, Tomo Aitken. Tomo, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. It's finally started and I can't wait to chat a bit about what's been happening. It has, mate. There was a quick turnaround between uh, rounds one and two, which will happen pretty often. So we missed that first podcast, but we do plan on doing this pretty well every round throughout the Big Bash season, although we'll see how we go around Christmas and New Year. We almost had a special guest on uh, for the first time this year. We nearly had Michael Fisher, the SC Playbook contributor, who's been on fire content-wise. Andy side's going well too, um, but he's been scratched pretty late just before the show, so we'll get him on hopefully for the next podcast. Tomo, give us the update. Um, we are recording this just before the last game of round two. The way the Supercoach rounds uh, run as people will be working out, they'll finish at, say, you know, 11 o'clock of a Tuesday night and then there'll be a new round start Wednesday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon or something. So to give their podcast a little bit of a chance to breathe, we'll record it a couple of days out from that new round for give a chance to, for people to listen to it, um, which does mean that there, there'll be times where there'll be games still to be played and, Team, team changes might drop, um, so be aware of that, um, but it'll give you a, a bit of a chance to listen. So, Tomo, round two finishes tonight. How's your side going so far? Look, it's going okay. I um, haven't gone spectacularly, but haven't bombed out either. I think first round I got about 940, and like anyone, there's a few players you picked that do well and a few players that didn't go so well. Uh, as we speak tonight, I've got three players left to play, so hopefully... Ty, Maxwell and Nathan Kudanile can go big and help me tonight and produce a good second round score. What about yourself, mate? Mate, an okay start, um, 898 points, so sitting just over 4,000 ranking, which is uh, not ideal, but certainly nothing to be too concerned about this early on in the competition. Um, a bit with you there, AJ Ty and Coulton Isle are big ones for me tonight. I do have a few playing, a few of those stars players. Um Linny finally came good for us in round two, or I shouldn't say finally. It took him two knocks, so it's a bit harsh. But, mate, I went Phil Salt over Weatherall, which didn't help me at all. 
Um, I didn't have Nathan Ellis, who got them two junk time wickets last night in the, in the, for the Hurricanes, which was another killer because he was a pretty popular pick. Um, and the other one that killed me was it was one of my super pod plays that I I was I had Harry Nielsen on my bench. I didn't want to play him, but I was happy to have him there just as a you know try and earn a bit of money out of him. Before the first game of round two, Nielsen was put into bat at number four. There was doubts at the time whether Carey would be back for the second game, so Nielsen might have got two games. When he was put to number four to bat, I brought him in and started him in my team, which absolutely killed me. So, anyway, it's been a tough start, but um, hopefully become good. Mate, what sort of, what's gone right for you so far? What's gone wrong for you? Look, some of the things you say I can completely agree with. I, looking for a cheap striker this round, brought in Nielsen too, seeing he was batting at four, and there was that question mark about Carey, and then he didn't get very many runs, and now he's out of the squad, so I'm certainly with you there. That's not one that you know didn't go our way. It sounds a bit weird, and at the last minute, I brought in um, Big Billy for that Melbourne Stars double, and oh, mate, the bloke you death rode all preseason. Yeah, and I just looked at that heat lineup first round, and I thought, I think the stars are going to go through them easily. I think there could be some wickets for him over the two match stretch. I think he bowled six overs, so he got you know the overs, but just couldn't take a wicket, unfortunately. So that was a bit of a cross. Uh, the fellow I was keenest on, the cheapy I was keenest on all preseason, uh, Wildermuth. Gets called up to Australia A just before it starts. Um, I have to take him out of my side just for balance. He sneaks back in and does that mammoth performance uh, on his return, so that was a bit of a bummer. Um, And I was laughing uh, when you were talking about Nathan Ellis because he's someone I started with. He's a bit of a cross. I love those cheap, dirty wickets, so that made me very happy. He's bowling the right overs. But there's others like Meredith and Faulkner who are looking a bit more dangerous. So they're the f- people at the moment that, you know, I didn't quite get right. I was going to include um, Jakey Weatherall in that list, but he bounced back in a big way last night. So they're the ones that haven't quite gone right for me so far. Uh, what are some things that you've done that have, um, you're happy with and you're able to give a tick to? Oh, mate, few and far between. Uh, there, there has been a few, but just before that, on Weatherald, Weatherald I had in my round one team. He was going to be my, my big strikers player on the bench for round two. Um, I ended up going him to Larkin from the Stars, who just bombed out big time. Weatherald obviously went big in the second game for the strikers this week, so that one hurt as well. Um, mate, Coulton Nile was my big one in round one that I nailed. I know he was relatively popular, but it wasn't enormous ownership. Came out and had two run-outs, three or four wickets, 169 points, I think it was, um, which is all good and well. And then he didn't play the second game because they rested, rested him due to his injury history. So <laughs> that was another one that sort of just fell through the cracks. Um, I did skip a Darcy Short in round two, which was you know another pretty popular pick, so not a huge one. Um, but scored well in, in game one of that, so he was a better one. And um, as I said, mate, I'm just banking on an AJ Ty masterclass tonight to uh, to bring me back into a, a higher position and get a rise after this week, but we'll wait and see. You and me both, mate. Yeah, mate. One that I did want to touch on, um, there's sort of been a bit of chat in the first couple of weeks, and this chat always happens in Big Bash Supercoach, but you know, we talk about how many um, double round players are too many and then, you know, a lot of people – have picked the wrong double round players this week and they're going, oh, maybe it's important to focus on the guns who have single games as much as the blokes who are playing the double round games. 
even though people may have had some, you know, uh, less than ideal starts, in round one, six of the top eight scoring players in Supercoach were all-stars players who had their double round. Um, and obviously there's a game to go tonight, but a lot of the top sort of ten players are going to be from either the, the – the, who is it? The, the strikers this week who had the double or the hurricane. So – it does suggest that even if blokes don't perform, that double round is just huge. So I thought that was an interesting point to touch on, mate. Yeah, doubles, doubles are huge because they give you two bites of the cherry. Um, look at Weatherall last night and look at Siddle again. You know, the second game can lead to big scores. So doubles and planning is certainly an important part of Supercoach. Mate, how happy would you be if you had Peter Siddle in last night took Pfeiffer? I was very happy because in my side, um, I wasn't brave enough to captain oh. him. But, um, yeah, no, that, that was um, pretty – I was pretty happy with that. He didn't bowl poorly the first game. The first game he bowled well. Um, he bowled exceptionally last night and got a couple of cheap wickets. But, geez, he's – as well as looking spectacular with that hair and with those sunnies, um, his performances are pretty good at the moment too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mate, isn't it? How good is the bleach blonde hair? The um, I know one I did see on Twitter during the day, Matty Broom, uh, who came second behind you last year in Supercoach. Uh, I believe he 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 did a bold play, put the captaincy on Siddle, so he would have just been laughing watching that. Um, and that's why that's why he's up there each and every year, mate. On today's show, we're going to have a quick chat about the impact of the new rules and how that they may have impacted Supercoach. Uh, we'll talk about the strikers' analysis. They've obviously got the double game week coming up next week, um, and after that, there's. I think there's two or three weeks in a row without any double game week. So we'll touch on the strikers, who are obviously going to be very, very popular again this week. We're going to drop our bold predictions for the first time this year. We'll pick a few each, see if they can come off. Uh, We'll talk about our trade plans, our captaincy plans, and then take a few questions at the end of the show. Um, Mate, we will start off with the impact of the new rules. How do you think they've impacted Supercoach so far? Do you think they've had a big impact on the game or probably not as much as we thought they may have at this stage? Uh, impact, I think, has been minimal. Um, the media are really talking them up and sort of pushing them, but I don't think they're making that much of an impact. In terms of the X factor, um, it's hardly been used, and I'm pretty sure it's right in saying last night when the Strikers and Hurricanes both pulled the X factor, it was the first time that it's been done. Teams, to me, look like they're picking their best starting 11 anyway, so I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. Uh, The one point for chasing down the target after 10 overs, it seems that teams that, um, like in the Hurricane, not the Hurricane, sorry, the Sixers and the Renegades, when the Renegades were going down, they sort of just went down swinging. So if you've got a bowler that's going to not bowl in the power play but bowl sort of that 8 to 10 over mark, if your side's on top and the other side is just chasing that point, you know, that could be a chance to pick up a couple of wickets. I was sort of hoping Dan Christian was able to bowl for the sixes, um, but he didn't. The uh, the last rule, the one that seems to be impacting the most in terms of super coach, is that pick your own power play. Teams are sort of still experimenting and not really sure. There's no consistency about when they're taking it. But we have seen in a few games when it's taken, it's leading to some chances to take a wicket. So teams that save their best bowlers to bowl in that two-over block, if you can pick up a wicket, fantastic. We've also seen some sensible batting like Jordan Silk did for the Sixers against the Renegades. That's a chance for that middle-order batter to reach that golden 20 runs quickly. That's my take. Do you have any uh, take on the new rules and how they're impacting? 
Yeah, similar enough, mate. Um, and I think with with the extra the additional power play where you where you do you get the extra two power play overs or not extra two, you choose them. Um, I think it has to be after the ten over mark. So I think you're right. Middle order batsmen who can come in. Um, we've seen them. You know, there might be two batsmen on twenty or thirty each, and they'll take them pretty well straight away. So it's them probably the number three to number five batsmen who are consolidating in the middle of the innings. Um, they've got themselves in. They take them too, and they get the opportunity to hit those boundaries at that stage. But I mean, it, it's hard to pinpoint it to a spot in the order or particular players because it's so match dependent. So it really is hard to specify to particular ones. The only other one <clears throat> that I thought of. Uh, being last night when the the strikers and the Hurricanes were the first teams to use the X factor, um, which was pretty astounding that it took so long, but it was because there was that top order collapse in the first inning, so it was both sides utilised it. I think potentially part time bowlers um, at times are going to to benefit Supercoach wise because say a, a game like last night where the team batting first struggles early on, they'll bring in another batsman. So last night it was Mac Wright who came in for Johan Boiter. I think this can open up the opportunity for the part-timers to get a few extra overs in that second innings because they'll be short of bowler. Um, again, it's not something you can really plan for or say this bloke or that bloke, but you know maybe someone like a Darcy Short or, I mean, even a Matt Short last night um, if he were to be starting Matty Short, but these guys who might pick up extra overs. Um, but, mate, that was, that was sort of the main one that I could think of. But, again, when it's happened once in two rounds of Supercoach Big Bash, it's hard to nail it down, isn't it? For sure, and I think you're right there. The part-timers aren't going to bowl that three, but they're a chance to chip in with one to two. Um, we saw Renshaw and Short last night. Um, I think you're on the, on the money there. Cool, mate. Hey, guys, uh, there's still time. You can jump into our SC Playbook Unlimited group at the code 968821. <clears throat> uh, shout out to Boyce to Men, great name. Um, he's topping the group at the moment. That's after round one in 25th place. Uh, a reminder that our the top-ranked subscriber and non-subscriber to beat our contributors in the league at the end of the season wins two Big Bash tickets in their home state uh, for next tournament. Um, and the top-ranked subscriber to knock us off will also win a Big Bash jersey of choice as well. So get involved in that. Um, we'll close off the entries to that in a couple of weeks. So get in early. Um, if you are interested in our subscription package, it's $20 for BBL package, $40 for the BBL and NRL package, which is obviously the, the next NRL season. Um, the NRL content goes through from January through to, I mean, September or whenever the, the comp will finish next year. Um, we are about to start adding a little bit more subscriber-only content, stuff from guys like Tomo who won it last year, Golden Stuff, and the rest of the contributors, um, along with access to our subscriber special podcast, which we'll do each round, which basically just answers the questions of the subscribers to make sure that they get answered. Uh, we've also got a donation tab in the article holding the podcast if you're interested in supporting the site um, or the podcast through that form if you're able to do that. Mate, let's jump into our strikers analysis. They're going to be some very, very popular players this week, the last double game week for a while. Mate, for starters, what strikers do you own at the moment uh, and who are the ones you're eyeing off? Uh, at the moment, I've got four on my side. I've got Weatherall, who did well last night. As we spoke about earlier in the podcast, I've got Nielsen, so that's a cross for both of us. And I've got two bowlers. I've got Siddle and Khan. They're the four I've got at the moment. Uh, what what is your current lineup looking at in terms of strikers, <clears throat> mate? I'm I think I'm going to have to bite the bullet and trade three in this week, um, which will get me to five. I've currently got three. Um, I've got Salt, 
going salt over weather or the bloke I've loved for years just has killed me. Um, I've got Khan as well, who was the obvious one, who, you know, realistically, if you're serious about Supercoach, should be in 100% of teams this week. Uh, and then I've got Nielsen, who, to be fair, I was never expecting Nielsen to be playing this round. But, yeah, I'll pretty likely be using three trades on strikes plays to get myself to five double game weekers this week. Um, mate, you said you had Worrell. How were you when he came out and blasted those late-order late runs? He, he should be stated as a bloody batsman, not a bowler. How good was that? Yeah, I wish I had Worrell. I don't have him in at the moment, but he's oh, one of them. Who did you say you had? Uh, Weatherall, Nielsen, Siddle and Khan, they're my four. Oh, but, yeah, Weatherall. Worrell is one that I am looking to bring in next game. It's a bit more of a schedule pick, um, but he's going to bowl his four overs. He can only really bowl at the start and possibly early middle. Um, we saw in the first game against the Hurricanes that um, when he tried to bowl at the end, I think he did two no balls and had to be removed from the attack. But then he came out when all was lost and batted magnificent, magnificently. Um, I think he'll play the two games. Um, I think that if I bring him in, he's going to make some money. Worrell, Khan, Siddle and Agar look to be the bowlers for the strikers they're going to bowl there for. And then the last bit of the overs looked like they're going to share them between Briggs, Renshaw, Short, and possibly somewhere else. So Worrell I don't have at the moment, but I think I've got to strongly consider bringing him in for their double next week. In terms of batting perspective, I don't have Renshaw and Carey, but they're two I'm looking to bring in. Um, I think I could only realistically bring in the one. I was thinking originally whoever bats at that number three spot, but after how well Carey did um, batting at four last night, I think I've got to have a leaning to him, even though he's a bit more expensive. We've seen the players that come back from playing for Australia, Australia A, come back and do quite well. I'm thinking like Wildermuth and Sams and Short and Zampa. So um, I think maybe Carey will be my priority over Renshaw, but it all depends on price. Who are you looking to bring in, mate? Yeah, mate, definitely Carey. I think Carey's pretty well as close to to a must-have as as you can get in Supercoach this week. 55 off 40 in his first game back and just looked a class above from the moment he went out there. Uh, I mean, they're only chasing a bit over 140 um, and he just controlled the innings so so well. Like that, a slow start. Salt and Renshaw both went early. So Carey definitely... Um, few decisions to make elsewhere. <clears throat> Dan Worrell's an obvious one. I mean, in Supercoach, we often look at a case of chasing last week's points and the fact that, I mean, he contributed with the ball in game two relatively well. Um, he had one for 21 of his four, economy of 5.25, 12 dots, so really, really good Supercoach points. Um, he's not going to get those batting runs every week. In fact, There'll be weeks where he won't even bat. That was a bit of an anomaly, although he did show he's good with the willow. Um, but there's going to have, you can't have 380k players from the strikers this week. So he was 92k prior to this round shutting out and prior to his price rise. So he'll be over 100k after his performance, but he'll still be affordable and be able to free up a little bit of cash there. So I think Worrell's probably probably the big one for me. Carey. Uh, and then I'm not too sure on my other one at this stage. I think I like Matty Renshaw just because he's bowling a few overs. I, I don't think he'll get the three overs in, which is, is beneficial for that economy rate bonus if he can jag it. But, you know, if he can land 
one wicket hit on top of getting a few runs in the space of two games. I think Renshaw's a good one. Mate, Peter Siddle, where does he sit for you? Is he a must-have for this next game week after getting 5-16? Or, again, is it a case of chasing last week's points? Uh, it's a little bit of a case of chasing, but he looks like their best bowler or the bowler in most form, and they've got the double coming up. So I think you've got to try and include him in um, as best you can. Double, bowler in form, it's a hard case to lead him out, leave him out. Yeah, uh, I think I'm with you. Mate, Wes Agar, another good one, two for 28 in, in both games in the round two double. Um Tempting at far far less ownership than I think the likes of Siddle and uh, Worrell's going to be after this round. You know, he bats down the order, so there's not a huge chance he's sort of going to go with the willow, although he has shown in the past he's capable enough. Is Wes Agar a chance for you, or at over 150K, is he a little bit awkwardly priced? Yeah, the big unit is bowling all right, um, just not for me um, this week. But he's going to bowl four overs, so he's got that in his favour. Yeah, for sure. Um, Danny Briggs has had a pretty slow start to his campaign, um, so a bit of I wouldn't be going anywhere near him. He bowled one. I mean, it was on that deck in Launceston last night, and it was clearly a better deck for the quicks in that game, um, which was reflected in a few of the the X Factor subs. But uh, yes, Briggs had one over, went for fifteen, no wickets, and he got subbed off. Um, so a few inches there, but I wouldn't be going near Briggs, who was a guy I was sort of having a bit of a look at in the preseason and, and eyeing off for round three. You'll put a line through him for the time being. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, plenty of decent options at the strikers. Mate, Phil Salt, um, he's going to drop in price. He has a good big bash record, scored really well last year. I think he averaged just under 30 runs per game. Is Salt a guy that you'll be looking at, or was he a little too unconvincing in the first two games for you? Yeah, he was a bit reckless, wasn't he? But that's the sort of player he is. He's aggressive. If he's out there and faces more than 20, 30 balls, he's going to get a big score. Uh, I brought in Weatherall in round one purely because he was only that tad bit cheaper. I think you can't really have both because they're both a bit streaky to some extent. So I'd be going either Salt or Weatherall. I wouldn't be chasing both of them. Yeah, Salt last season, 360 runs at 25.78, strike rate of 164, which is madness. We touched on this last week, but I'll go through it again because he the strikers are so relevant again this week. Um, eight games in the Vitality Blast for Sussex over in England recently, 211 runs at 26, strike rate of 167. Um, so the numbers are there to show he can do it in Australia. His inform coming into this tournament um, I own him. I certainly won't be selling, but, boy, I'd like to see a bit more than what he produced this week. Um, mate, we did this throughout the NRL season. Uh, we did our we do our bold predictions for the upcoming round, generally make fools of ourselves, but when they do come off, you look like an absolute legend. Tomo, your first bold predictions of the year, um, the Larry things that you think may or may happen, hopefully, um, what have you got for us? Yeah, so it's my first time doing some bold predictions, so you can tell me if they're bold or a bit safe, so you can – Feel free to tell me. I reckon Rashid, he was okay last round. One wicket in each game, bowled with some control. Darcy Short did get a hold of him towards the end of his spell the first game. I think two games he'll bounce back, and I think over 150 for him, over 150. I'm going to say as well, Siddle, man in form, 
he'll go 150 as well. Yep, across two games, obviously. Yeah, across the two games, of course. And my other one is that against the Heat, who we saw um, are not the greatest bowling lineup, I reckon one of the openers, Salt or Weatherill, will score 50 runs plus against them this round. So a striker's opener to go big. Like it, mate. Um, relatively bold. We'll, uh, we'll, get you get it. we'll get you even more and more bold as the year goes on and the season goes on, but um, not a bad start. Um, I've gone with Rashid Khan to go 200-plus, So, and I'm going to throw in there that in that 200-plus across the two games, of course, There'll be a 20-plus run cameo. He'll have a strike rate of over 150 and get huge points there. So Rashid Khan to just go huge. Um, I've got Uzi Kawaja to go to get a half century and go 80-plus super coach points. Um, I reckon Uzi's due to go big. And I've also got Chris Lynn to score another half century and go 80-plus super coach points. Um, we touched on it in the preseason, but I just think with the Brisbane Heat order being so weak, um, pretty well throughout. He, Lynn's coming in at three, and I know this. The, the runs don't really back up what I'm about to say because he hit 69 off 44 at a strike rate of over 150. But watching Lenny bat the other night, class kept that strike rate up, but he just looked like he was batting a lot more composed than he normally would. He wasn't playing too many rash shots, um, and I think he has to because I think he needs to stabilise that order a little more than he has in the past when they've had a stacked batting order, um, you know, with guys like A.B. De Villiers in there among a few other names. So I reckon Linny can back it up again. Um, he is owned by a lot of numbers, so it's not exactly a pod pick, Chris Lynn, but yeah, I reckon Linny to go big again. Matt, you're with me or you're, you're against me? Uh, well, he's in pretty good form, isn't he? Um, I suppose, yeah, he's a chance. Um, I'm hoping because I don't have him because I'll have a couple of strikers bowlers that hopefully one of them get one to nip off the deck early, but he seems to have carried the form he showed in the Brisbane grade comp into uh, the BBL. So, yeah, I don't mind that as a shout. Yeah, I think he's owned by over 50% of teams, Chris Lynn, which I thought a few people might have, might have gone that anti-pod play and, and left him out to start the year. But, I mean, I think people are just too frightened of what he can do. And we saw what he could do in that its second round already. So um, if you don't own him, I think he's a great one. So if he comes out and gets a duck all of a sudden, that is a huge play on the rest of the Supercoach competition. Um, mate, you've touched on them with the strikers, but... Talk us through your round three trade plans um, and I suppose anyone that you're looking at in coming weeks in particular that, that you're keeping an eye on this week. Sure thing, mate. So, yeah, I think Carey, I was going to be whoever bats three between Renshaw and Carey, but after watching Carey last night, I think I've got to go him. Um, again, it might be a bit chasing last week's points, but I'm going to try and bring in Wildermuth this week. I've got a little bit of a bank, so hopefully if I orchestrate things well enough, I can go Nielsen to Wildermuth, and I think that's a trade that I'll be looking to do. Um, Worrell, I think, is a scheduled pick for this week, but it's one I'm looking at. And I'd like to get your opinion on this, and it's a bit crazy, but watching Daniel Sands bat, I know he's pricey, but he's someone I'm looking to get into my team sooner rather than later. I know the Thunder don't have their double till relatively late on, but someone that looks like he's going to score, you know, I don't want to leave him outside of my team for too long. They're the sort of fellas I'm looking at uh, this week. What about yourself? Mate, I like it. Samsey's an interesting one because 
We talked, I spoke in the preseason about how I thought he was at his max value. Um, he took 30 wickets last year and basically he's not going to match that this year because he absolutely smashed second place um, on the wicket tally and he'd have to keep taking them. The point was, though, that he could make up for those wickets by if he gets a few more opportunities with the bat because we, we knew he was a capable batsman. His first game of the tournament, he comes out and hits 65 of 25 balls, not out, seven sixes, strike rate of 260, and it was just like, bang. So there you go. I mean, he came in at seven, so he's not going to bat probably every week or he won't have opportunities as good as that each week to bat. But look, I mean, after seeing that, he could be the guy that gets out of price range very, very quickly. He's going to have a really, really low break even after when the scores update this week. So... Mate, all of a sudden, I definitely don't hate bringing Sam's in a little bit early. Um, before I get to my trades, talk us through Wildermuth again because <clears throat> there's going to be a lot of people out there with the question this week, they bring in three strikers players or do they bring in two strikers and then the obvious one in Wildermuth who, again, he's going to have a massively low break even after, what, 31 off 11 balls. Um, he took, took three for 23 off his four overs, economy of under six. Mate, he's going to go up heaps in price. So if you don't get him this week, you're going to going to risk losing a fair bit of money. Um, tell us why you're going Wildermuth this week uh, and not the option to go with three strikers players. I suppose because um, I've already got four strikers, I don't want to go too heavy. If you go too heavy on one side, even when when they're in the double, you know, there's only so many points to go around, so they all can't score well. Um, look, here's one I was keen on in the preseason. Um, he's in form, as you said, low break even, going to rise in price, bat, bowl, that all-rounder flexibility when you're doing your side. He's going to, as we saw when Sam's went crazy, the heat bowling stocks don't look great. Uh, Ricky Ponting wasn't that complimentary of them uh, during the broadcast. And also they did score some runs, the heat, against in their second game against the uh, Thunder. But we saw in the first game that their batting lineup, you know, a lot, as you've mentioned previously, revolves around one C Lin. So, you know, he could get more opportunities compared to others batting in a similar position um, mm-hmm. in other teams. So look, he's one that I just think you have to bring in. <laughs> For sure, mate. And he, he came in at number six as well, ahead of Jimmy Pearson. So batting opportunities he should be getting most weeks. If he keeps hitting as well as he does, he might even get promoted ahead of Tommy Cooper. That's very speculative, so don't bank on it at all. But as I said, if he's bowling his overs, batting at six at the price he's at, um, very, very tempting. Um, mate, for me, I'll be going – Alex Carey will be in. I'm – I'm a little bit worried with Worrell. Um, I do think it's chasing last week's point, but – I just think when I do finalise my my moves for the next round that I'm going to need to free up a bit of cash somewhere and it's probably going to have to be Worrell because there's not too many cheap options outside of him. Um, and then a bit like yourself, Renshaw is probably my third one that I'm eyeing off due to the fact he's batting high in the order at number three, looking in pretty good touch and he's bowling a few overs as well. So there's big, big point scoring opportunity on offer for him. Nathan Coulter-Nile is going to be out for me. I toyed with getting rid of Coulter-Nile this week at the price, but he's got a negative 53 break even going into tonight's game. Um, so there's going to be big price rises for him, which I'm going to cash in on uh, unless he goes monster again and that break even stays really low. 
But Coulter Nile out. Will Jacks cannot get out of my team quick enough. Um, I gave him good reps in the preseason, largely based on the fact I thought he'd be bowling a few overs as well. He has absolutely flopped, so see you later. Uh, and then Larkin is going to be out for me as well. Um, so provided that all works out, um, that'll be my trade. And just a couple that I've got a very close watch on ahead of next round that uh, are playing – one of them is playing tonight in Ashton Turner – He's 67K prior to tonight's game. In round one, he batted at five. He bowled an over, which is nothing to get overly excited about, but the fact that the Scorchers are looking to bowl him is encouraging. Um, I do think he'll bowl more overs tonight, potentially because Jason Berendorf's out due to the birth of his kid, but Berendorf will return. So if Turner does bowl more overs tonight, just be aware of that is because Dorf is out tonight. Um, and, mate, the other one who you spoke about in preseason, Nor Ahmed, um, expected to be playing in round three for the Renegades. Mate, the 15-year-old from Afghanistan, how exciting is it to see a young leggy from Afghanistan come over? Mate, looking forward to watching him. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? 15 years old, it's, you know, they can't even, I just can't find the words to describe it. But at that sort of price, all he needs to do is pick up a wicket and, you know, he's a good selection. Exactly right, and he will be replaced later in the tournament. But if he if he comes out, goes all right in round three, um, he'll be straight into my team after that. Um, but I will check on when he is leaving the tournament, um, mate. Your captain and your vice captain choices for the round coming up. There is the strikers aren't in the first game of the week, so we will have a, a relatively decent shot at the vice captain loophole, um, mate. Who are you eyeing off? Yeah, just remind me who is in that um, first game. What are the two teams involved? Let me have a look here. Um, While you find that um, captain choices, I did. I had Captain Rashid Khan um, this week, which wasn't as good as some of the others. I think you've got to look pretty strongly at Siddle um, because of his performance and how he's looking. Carey, if you bring in possibly, looks like he's going to score consistently. And we've seen other seasons, you know, he rarely has an absolute flop. I think your captain in terms of strikers has to be one of Carey, Siddle. And I'm not going to drop off Khan straight away because I still think he's reasonable. And as you said, he's capable of a batting cameo. Got out first ball and then didn't bat. Um, I think you've got to think about those three. Who are the teams involved in round one? Mate, Hurricanes and Renegades, which screams yeah. one player, doesn't it? Darcy Short. I think you're right there. It'd be mm. hard pressed to go elsewhere. Yeah, that's it. So I think he'll be the obvious one. Um, I mean, if you've got someone like Kane Richardson in your side from the Renegades, um, he's an option. Finchie is getting rested from the Renegades. He would have been another option. Basically, for anyone sort of relatively new to Supercoach, when you're putting your vice-captaincy loophole on someone, you're generally taking a little bit of a hit to your score elsewhere by doing it. So they need to score very, very well to do it, particularly when there's uh, a team on a double game week like there will be in round three with the strikers. So, mate, yeah, Darcy Short for me. uh, And then I'm just finding it really hard to go past Rashid Khan. It's a bit of a boring play, but after a slow start to the year, I don't want to panic and chase points. I want to consolidate, keep himself up there. It's a long season. There's a lot of chances to bring back points this year. So, I'm just thinking it's really hard to go past Khan. Um, you know, he'll bowl his overs. He's super effective. He's a prime wicket taker. Um, and as I said, just got a little bit of a feeling there's going to be a few runs in him this week. Yeah, I hope so. I just another one, a sneaky VC. I think it's got it's probably got to be short. But um, 
Jimmy Faulkner seems to have rediscovered a bit of form mm. and he's scoring some points. So if you have him in your side, I wish I did, but if you had him in your side already and you're looking as a vice captain so you can take a bit of a risk, he's one that's looking all right with the ball and swinging and picking up early wickets. So, you know, if you're feeling a bit adventurous, there's one to consider. He is, mate. Oh, I'm with you. I bloody wish I started with him this year. He, um, he's batting at eight, but he has had a couple of opportunities with the bat already. So, mate, he'd have had more opportunities with the bat if Tim David hadn't gone absolutely nuts ahead of him, who's batting so well. I wrote in my uh, my final word column for round two that Tim David was a must-have. Um, and being being the knob that I am, I didn't actually pick him in my side, and he scored really well again this week. So, I mean, yeah, but Faulkner... Oh, he's looking really, really sharp, the old veteran. So great call. And, and yeah, very yeah, decent VC loophole um, opportunity reckon, this week as well. So it's a good call. Mate, let's jump into a few questions and then we'll wrap it up. The first one from Benny Brock. Who are the best type of players to trade in, trade in if rain is forecast, which it is for round three? Um, so just to touch on that, there is a little bit of a gap between rounds due to the Adelaide-Australia-India test, but... There's showers predicted for Hobart, Canberra, and Brisbane for all their games, but it is a few days out, so that'll chop and change. Um, Brisbane next week, there's 5 to 15 mils predicted at the moment. Um, so basically, based on that early forecast, be very aware of your heat players. Um, keep an eye on that forecast. It's hard when it's so far out, especially being the last game of the round. It's hard to base it around weather. Um, but, mate, what are your thoughts on that? Are there any types of players that you would be looking to trade in or out if rain was forecast? Yeah, it's quite – it's interesting because it depends what sort of rain because rain can impact a game, you know, from 20 overs to 18 and that makes minimal impact. It can do it between that 10 to 15 and that's sort of workable and you, if you're smart with your selection and have a good deal of luck, you can sort of – notice much much difference but if it's those sort of five six seven over real quick ones that's when you have a big difference i think for our discussion today i'd focus on that sort of 12 over or 10 to 15 overs so if it's that sort of where there's a bit of um a reduction but not too much you really want those batters that bat high you want to be picking openers or you want those players that can come in and pinch hit um, straight away and don't take their time. So I'm thinking of those like Dan Christians or Kuda Niles, the ones that can just come in and launch as a pinch hitter. And from a more bowling perspective, I've seen things like sort of um, do spinners, can they grip the balls effectively and sort of all sorts of theories. But I think in terms of bowlers um, in those reduced overs games, you want the guns because if there's a mixture of three and two overs available, you want to make sure your bowler is going to bowl the maximum overs he's allowed. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, no, I'm with you there. And it's, I mean, you touched on it. It's the middle order batsman. If, if there's going to, if, if we know there's rain around, there's a big chance it's going to be a reduced game. It's the middle order batsman that will come in and consolidate in innings like your, maybe your Renshaws or your, I mean, I know he's batting at three at the moment, Renshaw, but your Renshaws, your Peter Hanscoms, who probably aren't typically your big hitters, although I know Renshaw's had his moments of late, um, who are going to be pushed down the order if it goes to a, a 10 or 12 over game. Um, and then, I mean, traditionally when we talk about rain, we talk about you know moisture in the air, humidity's up, so very good for swing bowlers. But again, that's more of a test cricket or a one-day cricket type thing. When it's in when it's in big bash, if there's a rain-affected game, 
you know, a quick bowler might only have two or three overs to bowl. So it's very, very speculative. I think the biggest thing at the end of the day with uh, with if, Ray, if Rain's forecast is, you know, do your best not to trade in those players. Be Just play smart about it because if it's washed out to Rain, you know, you're into all sorts of strife. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's all very speculative around Rain, so just tread cautiously. Next one from Luke Richardson says, Hey, boys, love the NRL podcast. Now into the BBL. Is it worth holding Salt and Jacks? He's thinking Dwarshus, Sam's or Wildermuth being good replacements looking ahead, all in good form. Um, so first part of that, Tomo, would you be holding Salt and Jacks? Uh, should you um, lead us off there? Because you're both a Jacks and a Salt owner. What are you thinking there, mate? Yeah, mate. As I said, Jax has gone from my side and he's probably never coming back unless he starts bowling four overs, including two at the death. Um, and Salt, I'm holding. I'm not convinced on him. I'd be hesitant to buy, but, you know, he's a strikers player. He's opening the bat. He's got the double. Um, he's got, you know, it's a good form coming into this tournament. So I'd definitely be holding Salt. If you can just get one score there, you'll justify his price and uh, hopefully be all right there. Um, and then, mate, on to part two, which is, yeah, more directed at you, Dwarshus, Sams, and Wildermuth. We know you're already keen on Sams and Wildermuth, who you've spoken about. What about Dwarshus, who's taken a stack of wickets? Yeah, he's in good form as well. He's opening the bowling. He's got some wickets early on. He can bowl the death. He can slog it as well. He's sort of that awkward um, price. But if he continues on this form, by the time you want him for the sixes double, because we know the Renegades and the sixes have the next double, so it's one you've got to keep tracking. I suppose I can't really bring him in too early, but you're going to have to try and bring him in. If he maintains the form of the Sixers lineup, looks about the same as it does now, you're going to have to bring him in at least by that double they've got. And just in terms of um, Salt and Jacks, you have to hold Salt for the double. After each bad innings, you know, you're a step closer to a good one. As an owner, and I'm sure you'd agree, you'd like to see him take his time a bit more at the start of the innings and not just slog from ball one. Jacks, I think I'm with you there. Um, you sort of had to start him. We didn't have to, but most people were thinking start him because if they've got that double early. Some runs, one innings. I think the other two, he might, might have got ducks. Um, so his form is a question mark. The batting position is a tick. He's not bowling really, and the Hurricanes seem to have a lot of options before him. Um, in hindsight, hindsight is easy, but Faulkner or Ingram would have been better starting over him. So, yeah, Jacks, I'm probably looking to move on just like yourself there, mate. Yeah, mate. The only issue with that is when you said with every bad innings you have, you're a step closer to a good one. Um, technically, probably true, unless your name's Joe Burns, who just got picked for the Australian Test side, which was announced just before we went to air. His last nine innings as he hasn't scored over 29, and that was since uh, cricket resumed in early October. Mate, Burns at the top of the order for Australia. Let's hope for Salt's sake uh, that he's going to come good, and let's hope for Australia's sake that Joe Burns comes good for the Aussies as well. But, phew. We'll play it by you. See how it goes. Come back, Davey Warner. Nate, Tyler Marr, the last question. Uh, and this ties in a little bit to the Dwarshus chat about the, the Sixers double in round six. says, are you already looking ahead to round six and starting to tr- trickle some Gades and Sixers in, or are you waiting for more exposed form? A relative term with the Gades for sure, he says, um, and targeting them hard with rounds four, five, six. Yeah, on a side note, how good were my sixes the other night when they absolutely destroyed the gates? Um, look, three rounds before they play, so that is quite a bit of time. So I'm certainly keeping an eye on them. 
But I think at this stage I'm looking to, you know, get in some a couple of extra strikers this round and correct any changes or get rid of guys that don't look like they're performing or maybe some guys I've missed early doors. I think there's a bit of time to um, bring in those players on the double. We've got three rounds, so you've got a bit of time. What do you think there, mate? Yeah, with you. So we've got we've got twelve trades between now and that round six um, when doubles start up again. Say we don't target any of them players this week. We've still got nine trades after this week to look at that. Even at that point, um, you obviously have to start looking at them after this round or after round three. Um, but I think the biggest thing to note, as far as that goes, this far out from the next double round, prior uh, post round three, that is. If you've just got a 50-50 split between two players, um, I mean, you might have a, a, a Dwarcious and an AJ Ty or something and, and you can't work out who to go with and you're, you're splitting hairs. You say, all right, well, one has the double game week, one doesn't have the double game week coming up. Let that be the factor that makes the decision for you. Otherwise, I mean, it's, it's a long way out. We've got plenty of time to sort out our sides before then for that double. So we'll go with that. Mate, that's all for today, Tomo. Yeah, you've been big, just the two of us, for the uh, the Round 3 Supercoach podcast, um, but you've been big once again. Thank you, mate. Always a pleasure, and I look forward to chatting next time. And between now and then, let's get Ty and Nathan Kudanile to go massive for us tonight, eh? Oh, mate, come on, fellas. Hey, uh, guys, if you've got any feedback for the podcast, um, which I'm sure there's plenty of, so I'm sure we're doing a lot wrong, hit us up on our socials at SC Playbook One. Um, any articles you want written, any segments you want into the podcast, um, anything we can do to improve the product, please let us know. Um, but until then, good luck this week for Supercoach, and we'll be back next round with the next Supercoach podcast. Cheers, guys. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.